Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. We'll ask if you will to take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18. 1 Kings, chapter 18. While you're turning there, uh, I want to announce this morning. Um, those of you that have got teenage sons and daughters, I pray for you. That's that's not what I want to announce though. But uh, but those of you that have got teenage sons and daughters, I want to encourage you to get them here on Wednesday nights. Uh, Many of you might already know, but uh, Pastor Blake uh, came to me the other day and, and felt like that it, he needed to step aside from his youth pastoring duties. And so, uh, due to his job, the increase of the workload on his job, and so uh, we, you know, we accepted that. But uh, they're still going to be coming here. Uh, so anyway, we're uh, we've got uh, Sister Bethany Albritton that's, that's waving the Bible frantically back there. So she's going to be uh, stepping in for us on Wednesday nights. Uh, I told her to start with for a couple of weeks, and then I said. We don't know. So anyway, we appreciate her uh, stepping into that uh, spot and uh, being a, a leader for our uh, kids and our uh, sons and daughters. So anyway, uh, be a blessing for her to fill that room up there. And uh, so she can do that if you bring your kids. Amen. So I want to encourage you to do that. All right. Also, this morning, we don't have our live stream is down. Uh, but we are recording the service, so it'll be uploaded uh, later on today as soon as uh, our uh, media lady can get it going. Podcast. Okay. All right. So anyway, if anybody asks, that'll be coming up later on today. Uh, we need to pray for our Internet, uh, our Wi-Fi. All right. 1 Kings, chapter 18. I'm going to be kind of all over this chapter. It's a, it's a real familiar passage of Scripture for most of us. But uh, it's some things that Holy Spirit has really dealt with me on. We've been talking about prayer for the past, uh, well, ever since the first of the year. And we've been praying on Wednesday night. By the way, thank you so much for coming out Wednesday night and praying with us. Uh, uh, your prayers are, are availing much. And so I just thank you so much. We had a good crowd out here Wednesday night to pray, and, and we appreciate you coming. Uh, and, and so maybe after today, we can increase or double the size of that group. Uh, don't forget, Sunday morning worship, the house fills up. Wednesday night prayer meeting, there's just a handful of people. So what does that tell us? We got some things backwards, don't we? Amen? Amen. So uh, anyway, <clears throat> I want to talk to you this morning. We're going to talk about the subject of prayer. And, and, I, and I can't emphasize this enough. Your salvation is bought and paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. It is a gift that is freely given to us, not by works, lest we would boast. It is a gift that is freely given to us. But prayer is, is one of the nutrients that you feed what God started in you. Salvation is free, 
But prayer is work sometimes. All right? So I want you to understand the power and the need for prayer in this hour that we're living in. And, and somebody said, Pastor, go ahead and get through so we can sit down and then you can talk, okay? All right, so First uh, Kings chapter 18. I want to uh, read verse 1, and then I'm going to skip down uh, to verse 45. Verse 1 says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Everybody say rain. rain. Show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Now, 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 45 says this, And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Thank you, Father, for the power of your word. Let it go forth, touch lives, change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. So the Bible in the Old Testament and the New Testament uses this phrase, over 2,400 times, and it came to pass. So if you want to make a title for this message this morning, you can simply title it, When It Comes to Pass. All right? But that title, And It Came to Pass, is used around 2,400 times. The majority of the times that this phrase, and it came to pass, is used, it is used to signify a transition of thought or a transition of action or direction. Many of those times, it signifies a move of the sovereign will of God or an individual moving into a divinely appointed role. I think I lost about three quarters of you there. I want to say, I want to just paraphrase that again. I want you to understand when, when the Bible says, and it came to pass, it is telling us most of the time that, that there is about to be a transition from one thing to another. And it came to pass. In this passage of Scripture, the Bible says it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. That third year is signifying the third year of a drought. So a drought had consumed the land, and it came to pass that God then began to speak, or the Lord came upon Elijah and uh, moved him to go and uh, confront or show himself to Ahab. But I want you to notice what I'm saying. And it came to pass. It signifies a transition of thought, a, transi a transition of action, or a transition of direction. Uh, it signifies many times a sovereign change in uh, the way things have been. In other words, one thing has been this way, but when it came to pass as used, it transitions into something else. In this case, it had been dry, it had been uh, drought, things were dying, things were dead, 
But when God, when the Bible says, and it came to pass, it signified a moving from that into something else. Now I want you to catch this, and I just catch it. That was verse 1. 44 verses later, we get down to verse 45. 44 verses later, before the rain came, that God said to Elijah in verse 1, I am going to send rain upon the earth. Down in verse 45, we see the story or see the statement where the clouds were filled with rain. And uh, there was an abundance of rain that was about to come. I want to talk to you this morning, and, and, and before we move on, I want to tell you that in the Bible, many times rain is, is considered a blessing or a sign of the outpouring of God's Spirit. There was a drought and it came to pass that God said to Elijah, I want you to go confront or stand in front of Ahab and tell him that I'm about to send rain. Forty-four verses later, we see the fulfillment of that rain that's coming on the earth. What I want to talk to you this morning about is the in-between verses. The verses in between verse 1 and verse 45. Because they are not there by accident. They are not there just to fill up an empty space. They are there, and I believe there's a revelation there because I believe that what God is saying in this hour, church, that it's time to get your focus back on God. It is time to pull your focus back in. Listen, gird up the loins of your mind with the truth of the Word of God. Turn off all this mess that you've been feeding your mind and feeding your brain of all the negativity and all the, the bashing and all of that junk. Turn it off. Lay it down and get your mind girded up with truth. I'm going to tell you, the church, for the most part, uh, and I'm not only talking about McCullough Christian Center, but we are so distracted and so uh, scattered uh, in this hour that we're living in, and heaven is crying out and screaming, Come on, church, listen to what I'm saying, says the Lord. Hear my voice, says the Lord. I, I am crying out to the body of Christ. Get your focus back. This is an extremely serious time that we're in but all we can think about is how we lost the election or how bad the president is or how bad the president was or I hope they impeach him or I hope something else happens and and everybody is going to hell in a handbasket while we fuss and grumble and 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 complain about the government and all of that knowing good and well that we serve a God that is not limited by the government he is not limited by the house of representatives come on church that's what God is saying. Come on, church. Rise up. Be who I've called you to be. Come on, men of God. Be the man that I created you to be. I didn't create you to be a wimp. I didn't create you to grumble and complain and get your AR out and say I'm going to shoot somebody up because it's not going my way. God said I called you to be a man of God and to stand up. Where's the Hannah's? Where's the Mary's? Where's the Martha's? Where's the Lydia's? Where's the women of God? I got to slow down because I'm about to strip a gear. I got a long ways to go. But do you understand what I'm saying? We have lost our focus. For the most part. Prophets, pastors, churches gotten so misfocused 
kind of reminds me of, I think it was Elijah or Elisha one that, that uh, the kids came out and started making fun of his bald head and was Elisha? God ain't called you to be no Elisha. He ain't called you to call fire down on nobody. He called you to be a warrior. To be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And what I want to do this morning is I want to, I want to do my best to, to bring the church back to a focus of where we will understand that the greatest power that we possess is the power of prayer, of coming before the throne of God and getting on our face before God. Listen, there is something about a mom or a dad or a young son or a daughter when they get before God and begin to pray that God will turn God will turn the world upside down to answer the prayer of a righteous man or a woman of God. Don't tell me the world is going to hell in a handbasket because I really don't believe that God is finished with the United States of America just yet. It might be a little bit down the road, but I still believe that we're a light to the darkness of the nations. I still believe that we have hope in this nation. Oh, I got to get. Listen, in, in Luke chapter 2, it came to pass that Caesar Augustus sent out a decree. What was that signifying? It was signifying that the time of silence was over and that, that the, the, the prophet the prophecy of the Messiah was now here. It came to pass. It came because it signified a time. It signified that there was about to be a transition from one state to another state that Jesus was about to make his appearance. Listen, understand this church. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 17 says this, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what is that saying? It is saying that God is going to come to the church before he goes anywhere else and that judgment is going to come. It doesn't mean that God is going to come in the church and smite the church and, and smoke everybody else uh, up. It's saying that judgment is going to come to the house of God to get the house of God in line with what God is going to do in the rest of the world. And he said, if it first began at us, Maybe, maybe all of that rebuking the devil that you, we've been doing, God is saying, I don't want you to rebuke the devil. I want you to recognize that I'm pulling some things out of you. I'm, I'm getting some stuff out of you. I'm getting some, some selfishness out of you. I'm pulling some anger out of you. I'm pulling some unforgiveness out of you. He said, if it first begin to us, what shall the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? So, to get back to what we were talking about. What happened in between verse 1 and verse 45 that is so important for us to recognize. I believe we can see that beginning with verse 20 of chapter 18. I want us to look in the middle because many times we want the rain, we need the rain, and we pray, Lord, send the rain. But we don't want to deal many times with the demons that have caused the drought. Did you, did you get that? 
What caused the drought in the land? Wasn't God. It was the sin of the kingdom. So the, re the reason for the drought was the enemy, Baal worship. Ahab and Jezebel had turned the kingdom over to Baal worship and idolatry. And because of that, they had lost the blessing of God. So, we want rain. How many of you want rain? God said, in the last days, I'll not only send the former rain, but I'm going to send the latter rain. God said in Joel chapter 2 and verse 28 that in the last days it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit. So we want the rain, but God is saying I want you to deal with the demons and I want you to deal with the idolatry that brought the drought. And I want, I want you to understand this morning that I struggle with this, and I've, I've, I've had this message for about two weeks, and I battle with it. I said, God, let me preach something that's going to get everybody happy and joyous and all of that, that's going to make everybody uh, uh, come up to me after the service and say, wow, Pastor, that was the greatest message I've ever heard. And, and man, such a good word. I'm just as happy, 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 happy as I can be. And the heaven was silent. But I want you to understand, guys, the seriousness of where we are. We are in a, an extremely serious time. In every aspect of our personal lives, our nation, and all the way through. We are now seeing, and I'm having trouble here, pray for me, but we are now seeing the results of things that took place in the early 1800s by men such as John Dewey and others that got into the educational system and took the schools out of the home into the public arena which was not so bad. But men like John Dewey had this progressive line of thought. Hated religion and began to work in a process to redirect the education of kids and of our, of our children. And so what we're seeing now we are reaping the harvest of years on years on years of an educational system that has been void of God, void of prayer, and void of the Word of God. So it is no surprise that now we're seeing people that are standing up that are godless that have no respect for God, that care nothing about church, that have no respect for the Bible, and they're pushing these agendas. And, 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 and one of the big things that we saw in this past election is how close we are to uh, that progressive agenda being pushed over so that we as conservative voices lose our voice it ain't it ain't about the color it is about the agenda and I want you to understand that we're seeing that happen and what is going on now why is it that people that stand up with socialistic ideas 
are lauded and applauded in our nation. Godless. That is a product of a system that is reproducing these godless ideas and these godless thoughts without the Word of God, without prayer, without communion with God. That is the reason that it doesn't bother people to, to go into a crowd of other people and shoot hundreds of people. That's the reason that it doesn't bother an abortion industry that is killing millions and millions of baby, babies on, a, on a, a, a yearly basis. Babies are being murdered in the womb. That's the reason that it doesn't bother a politician to stand up and, and promote and advocate for uh, uh, post-term uh, abortions and all of that because there's, no, there's no, uh, nothing in them that can check them because of the system that they've been brought up in. And I'm telling you, church, that if we as the body of Christ don't do something to stand and turn the tide of this, we are going to be in for some dark, dark days. And I'm telling you that prophetically I don't care what you've heard on the news and I don't care what you've seen and what you've watched I can tell you this much that if if this nation continues to go in the direction that it is going without God we are going to be in for some dark days Forget about your political viewpoints and all that stuff and recognize this morning that God, and I told you this months ago, I said God is calling me into something else. I don't really like it, but God is calling me to it. And, and listen, I, I said to God, I said, God, uh, several weeks ago I was in my uh, uh, office down at the house in my shed and I was praying, and, and I had this burden, and I just tears began to come down my face. And I said, God, I, I, I don't like what I'm seeing, and I don't like what I'm hearing. And, and God began to speak to me, and he took me back to Isaiah chapter 6. And he said, Son, I am calling you. I called you years ago with this verse. While you were on your face in the closet of a double-wide trailer in Little River, and you were praying for me to give you a word to go and speak that you wasn't even a preacher yet or anything like that and he said you got on your face in that closet and I gave you the word out of Isaiah chapter 6 he said I called you there and you said Lord here am I send me and do with me what you will you said that and God said I'm calling you to another place today will you commit to what I'm saying and I said God I will do whatever you've asked me to do and God said open your mouth son and speak what I'm giving you and don't look for the popularity don't look for the laughter and don't look for the slap on the back he said just be obedient and deliver what I'm giving you and I will bless you for it and so I'm doing that this morning and I'm telling you, it is a mandate on my life that God is calling the body of Christ back to a place of prayer. It is a mandate. We have no choice. We have got to come back to that place of prayer. Listen, God said, I'm going to pour the rain out. And in verse 45, he poured the rain out. But in the middle of that verse, uh, Elijah had to go up on the mountain of Carmel. He had to confront the 400 prophets of Baal. And the Bible says, and, and, and because I've, I've spent a lot of time uh, chasing rabbits, I'm going to just paraphrase it. Elijah went up on this mountain. There were all these prophets of Baal. They all came together. 
And Elijah said, you go ahead, get you a, a sacrifice. Bring me a bullet too, and you take yours. And, and he said, I want you to get out there, and, and you, you do whatever you need to do, and I want you to call on Baal. The God that answers by fire will be the God that will serve. The Bible says they got up there, and they got on the mountain, and the prophets of Baal began to, uh, began to cry out to their God. For six hours, the Bible says, or we read in the Bible, for six hours, these prophets of Baal cried out, O Baal, hear us! The Bible says, but no one answered. The Bible says they danced around the altar. They had the sacrifice there. They had all of it set up, and they were dancing around the altar. The Bible says they cut themselves with stones and knives, but there was no voice. There was no answer. There was no response. They were calling on their God, the God of Baal. Hear our prayer. Hear us, O Baal, and answer us. But there was no voice. There was no sound. There was no response. Listen, I want to skip a lot, and I want to get to this while I am thinking about it. Holy Spirit spoke to my heart the other day, and he said, I want you to tell people that they need to check the status of who you are worshiping. Listen, we've been talking about most all human beings worship some type of God, little g. They might worship because they want something, a promise of an afterlife, or they want protection or, or something, or they worship out of fear, or they worship uh, because they're being forced to worship. But most everybody worships some type of God. But I want to ask you this question this morning. Why do I worship, or why do you worship Yahweh? Why do you worship the God that you worship? The God of heaven. Listen, I want to tell you this morning, and I, and I rushed in the office the other day and was going to do my devotion and, and get out because I had things to do. And when I sat down, this just began to flow in me, and I began to uh, type it out. And it, it takes me a while to do that. But anyway, I began to do it because I knew Holy Spirit was speaking it to me. And I just want to give it to you how Holy Spirit gave it to me. I asked myself the question, God, why do I worship you? Based upon this, this word, you better check the status of who you worship. Listen, one of the sad stories, sad things about this story of 1 Kings chapter 18 is that these prophets of Baal, for probably for years and years, had poured everything they had into the worship of Baal. Probably because they were able to sit around Jezebel and Ahab's table that they thought everything was good because they had the authority, they, they were in the high places and, and everybody looked up to them and they thought that everything was good. And they had worshipped this God that undoubtedly they had never questioned the fact of, his, of his, if he was real or not. It is a sad thing, ladies and gentlemen, to get on the mountain and find out that your God is not who he said he was. And so I sat down the other day, and I, I just wrote this down. Why do I worship Yahweh, the God of heaven, whose Son is the Lord Jesus Christ, whose Holy Spirit abides inside of me this is why because I believe that he is the beginning and the end of all things every other God that is worshiped had its origin after God said let there be think about it the God that I worship was here first and every other God trails in behind him. I don't want a God that trails in behind another one. I want to go to the very first one. 
and I worship him because I believe that he is the beginning and I believe that he is the end of all things. I believe that Jesus came through the womb of a virgin named Mary. Just bear with me. i got to get through this. I believe that he was crucified on a cross and as a sacrifice for my sins. I believe that he was placed in a borrowed tomb. I believe that he rose again on the third day. I believe that he ascended into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit back and he lives inside of me as a witness of who he is. I believe in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9 that says his name is greater than all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of every other God and every other tongue will continue that Jesus Christ is Lord. I was chosen because of his love. I was redeemed because of his blood. I am a new man because of his resurrection. I am healed because of the stripes laid upon his back. I have a renewed mind because of a crown of thorns that was placed upon his head. I am more than a conqueror because of who he is. I believe because I have tasted and found him to be good. I believe believe because his character surpasses that of all others. I believe because I have found that he is faithful in every situation. Listen to this. There will be a day, ladies and gentlemen, and those who might be listening to me, there will be a day that you will find yourself in the battle of your life. The battle that will have eternal consequences. It will then, it will be then that the God, little g, of whom you have sworn allegiance to, your Mormon God, your Jehovah's Witness God, your atheism God, your agnosticism, your Hinduism, your Confucianism, Judaism, Buddhism, Islam, will determine your eternal fate. I'm not bashing and I'm not condemning, but I am telling you this, you better know who your God is. You better know and get past this idea, well I heard mom and daddy talk about him, or I, I, I listened to it on the radio, you need to know who your God is. You, you need to be able, wait a minute, I ain't going there right now. Listen, we spend years, others spend years and years and years. Many even go to school and to universities learning about a certain aspect of religion. Even, even, even an atheist serves something. Even an agnostic serves something. We spend all that time. I'm challenging you this morning. Make sure you know who your God is. It is there on that battleground that when that time comes, the battle of your life, that nothing else will matter. Your popularity, your money, your prestige, your social status, your skin color, your political affiliations, none of that will matter on that day standing on that battleground. The only thing that will matter on that day is one letter of the alphabet. It is either a capital G or it is a little g. Because if it is a little g, that means it could be any God. But if it's a capital G, that means it is only one God. And his name is Jehovah. It means that there is only one God. He is the I Am that met with Moses by the burning bush. He is the God of Jacob. 
He is the God of Abraham and of Isaac. He is the God that met Jacob with his head on a pillar that showed him a vision of a stairway coming down from heaven and going back. He is the God that spoke out of the cloud when Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He is the God that one of these days is going to split the eastern sky and is going to come back and draw you and I to himself because on that day when the forces of evil and the kingdom of God will come head to head in the battle of the ages it is there that I want to know who my God is I don't want to wait on that day until that battle comes to figure out that for years and years I've been following some dead God I've been following some God that won't answer me when I call I've been dancing around an altar of a God who is dead and has no life but on that day sister Tammy I want to know that when I get on my face before or my God, that I can look up to heaven and say, Oh Lord, will you hear the prayer of this humble servant and come down and move on my behalf? You better know. You better know. You better make sure that the one that you serve is able to fight your battle you better make sure that you're serving the right God the Bible says in 2nd Thessalonians the Bible says in 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8 that that and then shall that wicked be revealed talking about the Antichrist the evil of the last days listen to this the God that I serve The Bible says, whom the Lord, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. You better know who's God or who your God is. You better check it out real good. You better get out of the path that you've been following, that you're only hearing one side of the story. You better check the Bible out. You better check the Word of God out. You better start in the book of Genesis and see who started all this stuff. Instead of serving some God over here that came along hundreds of years later and decided he had a revelation and you following a revelation that's not true. I don't know why I'm saying all this. But I'm saying it, okay? You bank in your life. Not only are you banking your life, but you're banking the lives of your children on a God who cannot answer when you call. You are setting your children up. To serve a God that cannot help them when they need Him the most. It might be a humanistic God. It might be a God that says you don't need Him. You can be your own God. You can do it your own way. You can do things ever how you want to do it because you are the God. I'm telling you this morning that there will be a day that humanistic our ways will fail. Humanism will pass on and nothing there will be able to help you. And on that day, it becomes utmost importance that you can call upon the God of heaven. I don't care how long you've been in the Baptist church, the Pentecostal church, the charismatic church. I don't care how much you have prayed in tongues and how much you run and shout and scream and holler. You better make sure that at the end of the day when you light down and when everything quiets down that you've got a God that when you whisper his name, you know he's there to answer you. The 
The Bible says that on that day that my God will consume the devil. He will consume the works of evil with the spirit of his mouth and with the brightness of his coming. Hallelujah. Well, I just preached you the end of my message. Now I've got to go back and catch up, okay? Listen, the Bible says that after the prophets of Baal screamed and hollered and cried and did everything they could imagine to get the God of Baal to hear them, there was no answer. Here they are, bleeding, because they've cut themselves and beat themselves, trying to get in touch with a God that could not answer him. I've always been amazed at, at what uh, the prophets said about people that would take a piece of wood, carve something on it, and set it before them and worship it as a God. The Bible says after all that was over that Elijah stood up. And this is where I want to get to you and I. Elijah stood up right in the middle of the devil's turf. I just want to say this. Some of y'all need to quit praying for God to get you out of where you are. Because God's put you where you are. Elijah. Elijah. He stood up. The devil's team, all these prophets standing around, bleeding, disappointed, discouraged, frustrated, because Baal didn't answer, condemning themselves for perhaps they didn't do something right. Elijah, <clears throat> according to to what I can understand, this took place on a mountain. <clears throat> and down at the bottom of this mountain is where all the children of Israel had gathered. But only Elijah and the prophets of Baal were on the mountain. But it was where everybody could see. Elijah was standing right in the middle of the devil's camp. Right in the middle of the demonic den of Baal worship. He was standing right in the middle of it. Not only that, but Elijah was, was surrounded by all of these people, but even the children of Israel that were watching were limping and confused. They had been so, uh, uh, so uh, misled. And, and they had gotten so deep into sin that they didn't even really know who God was any longer. It's the reason when Elijah looked at him and said, uh, you need to make a choice. You're limping around and you need to make a choice. The Bible says they didn't answer him a word because they didn't know how to answer him. They really didn't know if Baal was God or if Jehovah was God. And so Elijah's surrounded by all of these people that are confused and, and these that are, that are backslidden and, and all of that. And, and he's surrounded by all of those people. And listen, then he says, get me 12 stones. And the 12 stones stood for the 12 tribes of Israel, but it also stands for the government of God. put the stones together the Bible says they dug a trench around the altar and they put the wood in order and then Elijah said I want you to take uh, these, these uh, four pots of water and, and wet it he did that 12 times again which stands for the government of God 
Listen, God's not wanting to do a revolution with rifles and shotguns. God don't need that. He just needs one person that will stand in the middle of the den of hell and establish the government of God. Here's the thing that I, one thing I want you to see. And I'm in the parking lot. I'm fixing a park. But I want you to see this. Elisha did the stones, he put the wood in order. Our responsibility is to establish an altar. God doesn't want just any altar. He wants one that has order in it. Elijah put the wood in order and established that, and then he poured water all over it. Which lets us see that God was taking an impossible situation and exponentially multiplying the impossibility. In other words, he was taking something, and I wonder about Elijah. I wonder if he's standing there. I know, it, I, know I probably would. He's standing there with one of them, with them jars of water, Brother Jesse, and he's done poured about 10 of them on there. And he's standing there, and he's saying, Oh, Lord, why am I doing this? Lord, this ain't making no sense. But he did all that. He took an impossible situation and made it even more impossible. Listen, that's, let me speak this to you. You might think that where you are, you might think that what's going on around you is impossible. And it is only getting worse. But can I tell you something? I believe that revelation is coming to the body of Christ. And I believe that men and women are going to find themselves waking up at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And you can't sleep. And all of a sudden you say, I, just, I think I'm going to just get out of the bed and start praying. And you're going to get out of the bed and start praying. And all of a sudden, revelation is going to begin to come to you. And you're going to begin to say, God, it's, it's 7 o'clock in the morning. i got to get ready for work. But I'm going to have to tear myself away from this altar. I believe, listen, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a proven fact that, that most of you will get very little. You might get about five minutes out of this hour-long sermon today. And, and, and you might forget about it tomorrow. But when the revelation of God begins, to come you won't forget about that so I believe that God is bringing revelation hurry up and get it so we can preach something else the Bible says that Elijah got all this together And here's the thing about the prayer that I believe that God is wanting to birth in every individual under the sound of my voice. Elijah said this, Hear me, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God. And that thou hast turned their heart back again. Here's what Holy Spirit poured into me. Is that Elijah prayed a prayer. It was words that flowed out of his mouth. It was a vocal sound that came out of his mouth. A prayer that not only the prophets of Baal could hear, but the people around could hear what was coming out of his mouth. And Elijah said, God, hear my prayer. 
And the Bible says that, or let me say this first. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that it's extremely important that you and I begin to learn how to pray in a manner that is not silent anymore. Doesn't mean you got to be the loudest car on the drag strip. It just simply means that you need to pray so you can hear yourself praying. You need to pray so your children can hear you praying. Me and Judy and, and Amber were talking the other day, and, and uh, little Emmy, Emmeline, came over to the house the other night and spent the night with us, and, and uh, she prayed before we went to bed, and we were talking about the prayers that, how old is Emmy? Four. She's my granddaughter. I don't have to remember everybody's birthday. <laughs> but she, the prayers that that four-year-old child prays. And don't wait till you get sleepy before you kneel down with her to pray. Because she's going to be there for a while. And she ain't praying about all the dogs and the cats in the neighborhood. She's rebuking the devil. She's speaking healing and life over people. She's praying for them to be healed. She's rebuking COVID. She's praying. She's touching God. And, and, and listen, it is important. That lets us know that she's heard somewhere a mom and dad that has prayed in front of her, that has spoken those words in front of her, and she knows how to pray. The Bible says that Elijah prayed this prayer in verse 37 of chapter 18. And listen, verse 38, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the sacrifice. Here's the thing, go ahead and stand. I want to tie it all together. We've been talking about the middle. Now I'm going to tie verse 1 with verse 45. Here's the thing. The most important thing that we, we need to get out of the middle of those verses is the altar. It was the altar. Elijah could not produce the fire. Only God could do that. But Elijah could establish the altar, set the wood in order, and give God room to move. He did that. We are required to do the same thing. We don't have to worry about the sacrifice. Jesus was our sacrifice. But we do still need an altar in our lives. We need a place that we go to and meet God. You need a place that you go to and meet God. The Bible says in Genesis that God in the cool of the day would come down and commune with Adam. I can't help but think that there might have been a pine stump somewhere in the garden that Adam would go to every day. And he would commune with God there. And God knew that in the cool of the day, he could come and Adam would be on that pine stump. But sin took him off of that stump. Sin would get you out of that prayer closet and get you to hiding from God. But what I'm saying is God honors the pine stump. Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know yes. I'm throwing some things out there that that your hunger pains and all that's having to process through all of it. But God blesses consistency. Yes. 
God blesses that 6 o'clock every morning from 6 o'clock to 6.10. You might not think it's much, but God will bless that every morning. God blesses faithfulness. You might think that the world around you is crumbling apart and going down and dying and everything else is going bad around you, but I can assure you that when you commit five or ten minutes to God on a daily basis, God's going to bless it. So here's the thing. Immediately after Elijah deals with the prophets of Baal, God speaks to him. He says, get down from the mountain after he's prayed. Remember, he prayed, put his head between his legs, and he prayed seven times. Send his servant up. Do you see any clouds? I don't see anything. He prayed again. Have you noticed that took place right after the prophets of Baal? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that God said in verse 1, I want you to confront Ahab because I'm about to send rain. God knew that when he confronted Ahab, he was going to confront the prophets of Baal. So in other words, you could say, paraphrasingly, you could say, I want you to deal with the prophets of Baal because when you deal with them, I'm going to send rain. So to put it in our terms, God is saying, I'm going to send rain. This is the driest we've ever seen it. This is the worst, perhaps, that we've ever seen it. Things are going worse now than they ever have. People are wanting to give up. People are angry. People are mad. People are divided and all of these things, and everybody's wanting to give up. But God is calling somebody and saying, Sister Debbie, I want you to go and show yourself to Ahab. Destin, go show yourself to Ahab. And when you show yourself to Ahab, the rest of the revelation is going to come. Because you're going to recognize when you show yourself to Ahab, there's some demonic power there that I want you to deal with. And the rest is just clockwork. Once you do that, God's going to say, now go up on the mountain. I want you to do this and do that. Set that in order. Fix that. I want you to, put the, I want you to rebuild the altar that's been torn down and, and all of that. And Because when you deal with the prophets of Baal, then all you got to do is pray and the rain's going to come. Let's pray. Father, Lord, this morning God, I, I don't believe today that you have given us this word Father, for because anybody is bad, but I believe, God, that you are giving us this word because you are calling us, Father, to become like you. You're calling us, Father, to, to stand up, to confront, not on Facebook, not on Twitter, not through Snapchat, but God, you're calling us to confront the forces of darkness through the power and the anointing of prayer. So, Father, this morning, God, let us rebuild the altars. God, let us rebuild the altars. God, let us today, as, as husbands, rebuild the altar with our families. God, let us 
Let the wives today, let them rebuild the altars for their children. Let that family altar be reestablished, Lord. Father, we don't know what everybody else is doing, but Father, as for us, as for us, Father, we're going to worship you. We're going to pray. And Father, we know today that the God of heaven will answer by fire. We know this morning that our God, my God, Jehovah, will answer by fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is what the Lord would say to somebody here this morning. You have been discouraged. You have been worried and stressed. But the Lord would say to you this morning, that you are one prayer away from your miracle. One prayer away from your miracle. Hallelujah. I know we don't have any music or anything this morning, but I'm going to ask you just to lift your hands. And I want you just to begin to worship. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. Just the mention of your name. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to put your hands on the side of your head, on your mind. You need to put your hands on your mind and say, Father, I thank you that you're healing my mind right now. You're healing my mind right now in the name of Jesus.